so uh, on our middle grade list this season, we've got Emily and the Buskin Blues uh, by returning author Jenny Liu. She's written two YA novels for us, 2018's Girls on the Line and 2020's Like Spilled Water. Both lovely, thoughtful, taught, quite serious books. So I was actually rather surprised when the next manuscript her agent submitted to me was a whimsical middle grade novel about a boy who's trying to earn enough money for music camp and encounters a series of low to medium stakes misadventures along the way. Turns out Jenny is a, uh, a wonderful writer of, of humor with a real gift for capturing the blend of absurdity and uh, poignancy that are often part of a middle grader's life. So our hero, Enli, is an aspiring musician. Uh, his dad was a musician. His dad is dead. There's a lot of emotional uh, background uh, feeding into his his hope of, of learning to play music better. But the expensive music camp that he wants to go to over the summer is not in his mom's budget. So he decides he's going to earn the money himself by busking. He's going to play music out on the sidewalk for tips. His town is becoming this trendy tourist attraction. So there are a lot of street performers downtown anyway. And Enley figures it can't be that hard. Um, complications that arise include but are not limited to the only instrument he can afford is a melodica, a pretty obscure and goofy looking instrument that he only sort of knows how to play. Somebody leaves a winning scratch-off lottery ticket in his tip box, but as a minor, he can't cash it without an adult, and then the lottery ticket gets stolen by some older kids, and he needs help from some unexpected sources to get it back. This is just a really delightful story. It does address some hefty themes like income insecurity and inequality, gentrification, grief, but it does so with a very light touch, and it's mostly a warm-hearted little adventure about a kid with a dream. Uh, next on our middle grade list is Indigo and Ida by debut author Heather Murphy Caps. It's about an eighth grader named Indigo who's an aspiring reporter and who happens upon a copy of the autobiography of Ida B. Wells, who was a pioneering journalist and civil rights activist in the later 1800s and earlier 1900s. Inside this book are letters that Ida wrote to an unknown correspondent that give a very personal look into her life and her work. And Indigo finds this really fascinating, especially since Ida was black and Indigo is biracial. So with this role model in the back of her mind, Indigo decides she's going to investigate a school policy that she believes to be unfair. And as she looks into it, she realizes it's actually worse than she thought. The administration is not disciplining all the kids at the school the same way. In practice, the punishments for black and brown students are much harsher than those are for white students. But when Indigo brings attention to this, her classmates feel like she's being too aggressive, too angry, too negative. She's accused of being attention seeking or of having an ax to grind with the principal. And even her friends think she's either imagining things or blowing things out of proportion. So she feels like she's alienating her friends and also nothing she's doing seems to be making a difference anyway. But luckily she has Ida to turn to. The story is very careful not to turn Ida B. Wells into a stereotypical, wise, magical black woman. Uh, but she was, in fact, a real person who lived a life of uh, incredible courage and integrity. And Indigo is able to draw strength from the stories in Ida's letters and the battles that Ida fought. 
I think this is a strong debut from a promising new author who also happens to be a former journalist herself. Uh, the autobiography of Ida B. Wells is real. Uh, the letters in the book are fictional, but are based heavily on Ida's real life. On our lab list, Okay, coldest winter I ever spent. Uh, this is by Ann Jacobus. Um, it's about 18-year-old Delilah, who goes by Dell, who has had a history of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and a suicide attempt. When we meet her, she's about a year and a half out from that attempt. She's doing much better mental health-wise. She's living with her aunt in San Francisco. She's on the right medication, has a support system, and she's volunteering at a local uh, suicide crisis line, uh, trying to kind of pay it forward by helping other people who are struggling with suicidal ideation. So basically, she's doing great until her aunt is diagnosed with terminal cancer. She and her aunt are super close and Dell is determined that they're gonna fight it, they're gonna beat it somehow. And her aunt is like, well, no, it's stage four and the, the treatment hasn't worked, so I, I'm gonna die. Um, not only that, uh, but because they're looking at a matter of months at this point, Aunt Fran wants to consider what's called death with dignity, which means ending her life uh, on her own terms under medical supervision. Del is not a fan of this plan at all, uh, but she still has her own baggage and her own struggles that she's going to have to face for herself before she can really confront what is happening with Aunt Fran. This is a book that's very much about the preciousness of life, the fact that every person is irreplaceable, uh, and also at the same time, the fact that death is an inevitable part of life, which is something that teens have to face as much as anybody else. So if it sounds heavy, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's also hopeful, and it's a hopefulness that feels really earned for this character by the end of the book. The author is a mental health advocate and has been a suicide crisis line volunteer herself, so she's approached these issues really carefully and sensitively. And our other new YA novel is the Weight of Everything by Marsha Argeta Mickelson, who's also the author of Where I Belong, which won a Pora Bel Prey honor this year. This book is not a sequel to Where I Belong, but it's written in much the same spirit. The main character, Sarah, is a junior in high school and her mom died six months ago. Her dad has not been coping well. He's drinking too much. He's totally withdrawing emotionally. And she has a little brother who needs looking after. So Sarah has dropped out of her fancy fine arts boarding school and come home to San Antonio to take care of them, which is really overwhelming for a teenager who is also going to public school for the first time in years and is dealing with her own grief, um, having to having to pay the bills, having to get food on the table, having to make sure her brother is is safe and where he needs to be at all times. It's, it's a lot. Um, there are bright spots, though. Uh, for one thing, she meets a very cute, very sweet boy named David. Uh, for another thing, she has to do a school project that leads her to do some research on her mother's Guatemalan heritage. Sarah's dad is of white European descent and her mom is of Mexican and Guatemalan descent. And she's never really felt especially in touch with or frankly that interested in her mom's family history until now. So this is a way for her to feel closer to her mom. And it turns into a way for her to get back in touch with herself as an artist and to start thinking about how she can use art as a tool to explore her roots and to express what's important to her. Uh, and ultimately, she has to kind of reclaim space for herself. Her dad does need help, but it's 
his responsibility to get it and she can't be the one to fix everything. Uh, she needs to be able to be a teenager, to go on dates with the boy she likes, um, and come to terms with the loss that she's suffered without carrying the rest of her family on her back the whole time. So this is a really compassionate story um, and really understated about some of the big ideas it's engaging with. It sort of hits you a day or two after you've read it just how powerful it is, because in the moment you're just along for the ride with Sarah, you're rooting for her, hoping she and David will get together. Um, and I'd say that this is one of the few lab novels that gets an unambiguously happy ending, which I think is one of the many charms of Marcia's work. Thank you for listening to The Learner Podcast. Tune in again next time for more author interviews and the stories behind the books.